This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Known and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and this week we have a jam-packed show for you because we have a full team. Guys, there are four of us on the podcast this week. As ever, I am joined by regular panellist James Bird. Good evening, James. Good evening, Natalie. Good evening. And we're also joined again by regular guest, and now I feel very confident enough to say friend of the show, Daniel Bentley, joining us from the States. Hello again, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? I'm very well, thank you. And the biggest surprise, we have Kevin. Kevin, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello. Now, before we start, uh, we do have a little announcement to make, and I'm going to hand over the reins very briefly to young Kevin to basically give you a little bit of news. Kevin, over to you. Yeah, very briefly. I've been away for a few weeks or months. I don't know how long it is. Um, but I think from today's podcast, I'll be stepping away fully from, I say fully from Known and Ever. I'm not going to be involved in Known and Ever, but I'm sure I'll come in and, and help out um, every now and again. Um, but yeah, I've been involved since we've known ever since the start, which is many moons ago. Um, and I'm just kind of sort of simplifying my life a little bit, uh, which involves stepping away from some things I'm involved in, including Known and Ever. Um, so yeah, I've loved, loved nothing ever. I just want to, um, spend a bit more time doing some other stuff. So thanks to everyone for your support and kind of listening to us, reading us, um, agreeing with us, disagreeing with us and everything over the years and, um, looking forward to, uh, still the podcast going from strength to strength and being a, an avid listener rather than an avid, avid talker. Is that a thing? Let's make it a thing. We can have that as a thing. You can no longer be an avid talker. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that is. Yeah, shush, no more, no more talking for you, Kevin. Um, obviously, that is sad news coming out of Known and Ever Camp today. And it's something that obviously um, James, Adam and I have known um, for a little while now, but we wanted to give Kevin the chance to thank you all and say goodbye. Um, Kevin, we're going to miss you absolutely loads. And on behalf of all three of us, thank you so much for everything that you've done over the years for Known and Ever. You've been an absolute pleasure to work with and a pleasure to get to know on a personal basis. So good luck with your simplifying of your life. And it goes without saying, you're always welcome whenever you want to nip in and come and have a brew with with the guys and uh, and basically give your pearls of wisdom to all things Claret and Blue. So on that note, let's 
get something a little bit more exciting and let's get on with the show and uh, and let's uh, give Kevin a good send-off. This week we are talking about an away defeat, an unfortunate sixth game without a win for the Clarets. Burnley went away to Palace at the weekend and succumbed to a 1-0 loss. Um, before we sort of crack on with the show, um, if I can just get sort of a very quick summary from all three of you. Uh, just a general, is that a very meh, result or is it kind of one we could you know, expect to see? Um, James, how did you feel? Uh, personally, I thought it was a really disappointing one. Um, obviously, we talked last week about how it was the perfect opportunity to um, get three points on the board before another tough game next week. So to, to come out of it having played the way we did um, against a team that I don't think played that great either uh, is a little bit disappointing. Daniel, how did you feel? What was your summary of the game? Yeah, that's uh, that's up there with uh, some of the most un- underwhelming performances we've had this season. Uh, really just not at the races. Uh, some... Uh, some costly errors, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, really, just not at the races, and uh, yeah, just not that. This is a, a real. This should be uh, a stick in the ground. This this performance, and just be like, lads, we have to really turn this around now because we can't continue playing like this. I think it's. Uh, I think it's testament to the season we've had that uh, one of our most underwhelming performances, uh, as as Daniel puts it, is not. The more well, not the end of the world, uh, not a, a terrible defeat as as what we what we, we could have had in the previous. I've certainly had in, in some of our um, previous seasons. For me, I think it's disappointing, probably more for the context of of the the time and the situation it comes in uh, more than anything else. I think we've obviously had a a tough a tough spell in terms of points gained. Um, we've not not won a game in a little while. I don't think you could say. Necessarily, it's a massively tough uh, period in terms of uh, results because many of those games have been against um, very, very good sides, which you probably wouldn't expect us to win. But certainly, it's been quite a while before without winning a game, so we've not picked up as many points of last few uh, few weeks and months. And obviously, that's not something you want to continue, and it's something where you want to really stop that momentum and really start to get some some more points on the board uh, sooner rather than later. So. To do that, this would this was a, the sort of game you'd look at and think, look, yeah, this is one of the games where we can actually pick up some points and and start to get back to the back to winning ways. So for me, the, the more the big disappointment really comes not so much from the fact that we uh, weren't fantastic in this game, not from the fact that we've lost away at Crystal Palace, which you know every Premier League game is difficult, and I don't think you can ever go to a, a game, particularly away from home. Um, absolutely, hundred percent expecting to win and, and be disappointed to to get beat. Um, it's it's more just for the, like you say that, that context it comes in, and it's just disappointing that we've missed uh, a very good opportunity to um, to get some more points on the board at an important time of the year. Yeah, that's a really good point. Is that Kevin? And I think one of the things that I was um, looking at before we came into this podcast to, to try and consider where maybe things went wrong is something that we've talked about on the podcast over the past few weeks. In that, I fear that there's um and and some if it's a mental problem or whether there's just um maybe a psychological awareness about this Burnley side. I've talked before about my view on when Burnley actually go either 1-0 down to start off with or they concede um, an equaliser. The team just doesn't feel to have the same shape that it usually has. It doesn't feel to have the same discipline. Um, looking sort of at the, at the stats and at the, the post-analysis of this game, I hadn't realised just how bad, I say bad, it feels awful, but but just how prominent this was. Burnley are now winless 
in all 49 Premier League matches under Sean Dyche where they have conceded the opening goal and they've actually lost 40 of those. Now, Sean Dyche is telling us this week that the team is progressing. And of course it is. It absolutely is progressing. Look at where we are in the league. And Kevin, as you quite rightly said, look at where we are um, and, and, you know, assessing this game in terms of, of the standard this season. But that is a huge stat. I mean, Daniel, does that concern you at all? Uh, it is a concern, uh, and it's also not surprising. I didn't, I didn't know it, but it also doesn't surprise me. Uh, the strength of our team and the uh, our great record has been, you know, one nil or one goal wins uh, for the most part, and uh, we always do struggle trying to get back into the games when we're down. So that really doesn't surprise me. Uh, when we conceded that goal so early, I was, uh, I was really disappointed because. You just know it was going to make the day all that much harder. Uh, we're not the most prolific team and our strikers are having a bit of a drought at the moment. Uh, so really, once that goal went in, I, I sort of put my head down and uh, I really didn't expect much out of the game after that. The the best I was sort of expecting was uh, you know a, a late equaliser or something like that. That looked like it could come in this game. Um, but but winning always seemed off the cards. Um so it is disappointing, and I think it. I think it always just speaks maybe to uh, Daish's, uh one of just one of the things. It's not his strength. He, he's a great manager, and I'm not knocking. Uh, I would wouldn't swap him for anyone, but uh, but he is not the best reactive manager. If we haven't got it set up right from from the get go. Uh, he is sometimes less impactful when he tries to change the game in terms of substitutions or changing shape. We we never really have that much in the bag in in terms of changing the game. So uh, I think that speaks to to part of why that might be the case. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think the only real instance that I can think of recently where he was reactive was the Bournemouth home game last season where he um, sort of foresaw what Eddie Howe was going to do after we'd gone ahead and, and basically counteracted it before he'd even had a chance to do it. And it, we made a big deal of it at the time because it was so unlike Dyche to be that that term proactive. Um, James, let's let's have a look at this and in a little bit more detail and see if we can dissect what particularly went wrong on Saturday. Um Team selection. Now, obviously, we all know that there is a huge hole left in our um, left side of midfield with, with Robbie Brady. And I think we, it's beginning to show more than anything that we are missing in maybe more than we even thought we were going to do. Um, instead, this time, Deitch elected to play Barnes almost on that wing and Hendrick again in the middle with Vokes up front. How did you feel that? Because well, obviously, you know, it, it didn't particularly work in the first half in that we had a pretty poor first half. But... How do you feel that, well, I guess, do you think that was a good idea? And secondly, do you think that caused us to maybe not have a, as good a first half as we would have liked? To be honest, I thought, uh, to be honest, I thought that's what um, uh, Dash was going to do. I think if you look at the the Man City game, he used a similar sort of tactic, two strikers with one playing out wide. Um, something we've seen before. And I think, to be honest, with the options available, um when you you know you want to bring uh, GK in straight away to to start a game, I think that's probably what you expect him to go with. Um, as we talked about last week, it's maybe a little bit disappointing to see Hendrick still playing that role. When I think it's getting to the point now where it's almost difficult for him to 
to turn it around and play a good game there, probably because it's maybe getting to him mentally as much as it's frustrating the fans as well. Um, but I, I think it was largely the team you'd, you'd probably expect. And I, I don't think that, you know, not having a, an out-and-out left winger available to play um, from the start it is really an excuse for the, the the way we played. We just weren't at the races. I think we looked um, shoddy, disjointed. Um, we just didn't look like a unit, which is obviously what typically uh, personifies a, the, the dash side this season, you know, playing as a unit, playing together. Uh, I just didn't think we had that going for us, particularly in the first half. Yeah, yeah I think that's probably right. Um Daniel, Deitch was asked whether or not he was tempted to start Nkudu at the beginning of the game and he categorically said no, he wasn't. It never even entered his mind to start him because he wanted him to get um, you know, used to the players and, and get find his feet, which we all know is code for get Deitch fit. Um, do you think that was a mistake or do you think he should have come on? And then I guess, you know, how do you feel he performed when he came on the pitch? Did you see anything in him that's going to rescue this Brady loss? Yeah, I think he was asking too much for uh, for Sean Dyche to start uh, uh, in Kudu. Um, Sean Dyche, uh, we, we know by now, you have to show what you're capable of on the training pitch before you get a start in a Burnley shirt. Uh, you don't just come slot into the side just because you're the new signing. Um so I, 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 maybe I maybe I would have started him just because we're 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 just struggling on the on the wing as you said. Um, but uh, in terms of when he did come on, he looked bright. Um, it's hard to tell, you know. He's come he's come into the club, so he's 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 going to try and show what he's about. Um, you know, as as I heard on the uh, the, uh, the the brief podcast you did with the Spurs fan. Uh, one of his the knocks on him is uh his effort and attention uh so when we when you see him for 20 minutes and he can just concentrate on that 20 minutes and and try and show off and see what he's about he looked bright you know he had that little uh nice crossing that uh goodmanson couldn't do anything about but you know if you had a strike in a decent position there you know someone could have got the head on it uh, uh you know he looked he looked like what was needed against uh, a palace side that has a lot of pace on the wings. Um, you know, it's someone who could counteract that uh, and cause them a bit of trouble. So I'd like to have seen him earlier, maybe. Um, and if he, you know, if he does all right on the training pitch and shows that he's, he's fit and he's, he's good to go, I'd, I'd start him because uh, the the other options, whether it's playing a striker out on the wing like Barnes or or Arfield, underwhelming to to say the least. Uh, and we we just need a spark there. We need we need some service for for the lads. Uh, the longer it goes on without uh, you know either Vox or or Barnsley getting some decent service, getting some decent crosses in, uh, it's it's going to continue a, a goal drought. And uh, I'm sure we'll. Uh, We'll get on to to Bardsley as well, but you know that that's part of it as well. We, we're we're missing a great, you know, a, a, not a great cross with the ball, but a, a serviceable cross with the ball in Matt Lowe, and then and, and Bardsley is is not at all. So, the, just the more service we can get, if we're going to play, you know, quite isolated big man strikers, they they need service, and uh, we're just not giving them that at the moment. 
I think my 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 issue, uh, and I think why I think Nduku can come in and, and, and make a difference is that, uh, and this is not a, a knock on our field because I think he's um, he's actually played very very well for us in the number ten slot this this season. Particularly, I think he's done a lot better than Hendrik has um, personally. But when we play our field in this position, in this particular um, system, I think it really affects our shape. I think previously our field has played played for us, you know, when we. When it was Boyd and Arfield on the wings, they were very well, they weren't on the wings at all. They were just they were wide midfielders rather than wingers uh, because we played a very narrow shape. Whereas now when we've got a, a bit more of a five-man uh, midfield, um, we're, 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 the first half of the season when we've had Brady and Goodmanson, we've played a lot more um, expansive, we've played a lot wider uh, and we've played a lot more uh, with that width which Arfield, and I think with Arfield in the team, he, he, he's not a winger. He, he can't play as a winger, so he has to drift inside. And some players, some fans more know he's drifting inside, but I don't think that's a negative because Arfield, the player he is, he has to drift in wide. He's not got the pace over, over skill to play as a traditional, um, very wide winger. So when Arfield then does drift inside, it really affects our shape. We've become very disjointed for me. And I think it really affects the way that we we move forward as a team. Um, and I think that that's, I don't think it's, it's a coincidence that, okay, yeah, we've played some, um, some, some big teams, but I think even uh, the way, I, I just think generally our, the way we've attacked and the way we've built, built the, the game going forward has been massively affected by, by, by Brady's departure uh, and probably more so the fact that he's been replaced out wide by Arfield. I'd actually like to see Arfield come into the team in place of Hendrick, but I think out wide, it, it really affects the whole, the whole shape of the whole team. So that's that's my my concern. I think why I think if we can bring Nduku into the team sooner rather than later, if he can come in and, and have a, a positive impact, I think he's the, exactly the sort of player that can give us that the shape that Brady is. Yeah, some really good points there, Kevin. I do agree with you about Arfield, actually. I, I've said before, I feel, really feel for um, Hendrick at the moment. I don't think it's entirely his fault is his last, loss of form at the moment. I just think he's playing in a position which just does not suit him at all. And, and um, Arfield just does play so much better. But then equally, I also agree with Daniel in that neither of those options particularly inspire me. So I think um, Daniel hit the nail on the head when he said that this, t- this is a team that's just lacking spark. I don't think there's fundamentally anything wrong with the side. I don't think that we've suddenly lost it. I don't think that it's all going to pot in training. I just think that there is just maybe a bit of fatigue, maybe a bit of maybe complacency because we're doing so well and we're only a couple of wins off safety. And that spark and that energy has gone out of the side. Um, One thing that is also annoying me slightly is the fact that we have also seen with this run of bad results is this weird thing where this side only seems to have one half of football in it. Um, Kevin, sticking with you, that we keep hearing with these poor results recently that we were really rubbish for one half, but in the second half, we really pulled it around or we had a really great first half and then struggled in the second half. What Can you put your finger on why that is or is it just one of those things? I don't know. I, I, I think it is one of those things. I don't think it's exclusive to Burnley. I think it's something we've probably experienced throughout the, well, pretty much forever, always. And I think other teams' experiences as well, I think it's probably highlighted a little bit more when you're not getting the results. Because if you, if when, when that happens and you, you get the result at the end of it, it's it's almost, you, what you take that away from it is that you play you played well in, in one particular um, period of a game, you maybe take the lead and then the, other, the rest of the game is, we've, we've, probably, we've said it so, many, so often that we've uh, we've played well in the first half, we've scored and then the second half, we've been very professional, we've sat back, um, let the other team come on to us and, and not really taking the game forward, but really 
really secured that win. And I think it's, it's probably it's happened the other way around as well. Obviously, if, if we play well, if we're on top for one half and the other team, and so if we're on top for one half and then we're really under the cost for the other half, then that goes what I was saying that the other team has had the same experience, but just in reverse. And I think it's just how games go. I think teams... Um, teams change systems in, in reaction to each other. If we're playing well, then uh, the, the opposition will change their system to counter that and, and vice versa. Um, so I, I don't think it's a, a particular problem for, for myself. I think it's just probably something that is highlighted a little bit more. When you're not picking up those those results, you, you probably latch on to uh, little things like that more than you would do if you are if you're actually getting the results. Obviously, we'd all like to see us play uh, fantastically well for 90 minutes, be on top, of, be on top for 90 minutes and, and really, really win the game in, in every respect but realistically in any Premier League game you, you're going to even against some of the weaker teams you're going to you're going to be under pressure and probably not at your best for at least periods of the game so for me it's not something I'm particularly concerned about to be honest yeah, I think uh, I think it's something I'm a little bit concerned about, but I actually I think that's a really sensible um, analysis of that, Kevin. I'm not entirely sure. I'd I'd really appreciated the the obvious point that if you're having a poor half, then there is a reverse problem for the the, the side that you're that you're facing. Um, let's move on to a little bit of more specific analysis, and I want to talk this week about our defence. Um, it's a defence that's had a few changes to it recently, but it's a, also a defence that's absolutely received so many plaudits this season for its resilience and its um, stinginess in, you know, in terms of conceding goals, with the exception of, of City, obviously. Um, but I found a few leaks on Saturday and a few things that maybe are discussion points in an otherwise slightly uneventful game. Um, James, let's start with you. James Tarkovsky was very lucky... <laughs> this game to not concede another penalty. He's displaying for me, both in equal measures, some absolutely fantastic defending, some brilliance on the ball and some real natural talent that I think will see him have a very successful career, but equally with some, what I think, naive defending. And he has now conceded a few, what we would call soft penalties, where he's just not had his eye on the ball. And I think actually the one on Saturday that wasn't given was probably one of the most obvious ones that I've seen recently. Um, how Do you think it's more of a case of he needs to learn or is it a case of the Premier League centre forwards manipulating any single opportunity they can to try and get a penalty and James is just unfortunately um, a target of that. I, I don't think it's naivety. I think he's just, in that case, it's, you know, it's a, a mistimed challenge. Um, you know, I think the, 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 the danger of uh, him not going in for a, a challenge like that is that ultimately, you know, do you stand off everyone all the time just in case you mistime something? Um, you know how many goals you concede from from not putting in brave challenges. I mean, it's one of those ones where it's fifty fifty, and sometimes he'll get the ball, and other times, you know, like what happened on Saturday, he won't. Um, luckily for us, the referee didn't see it, and and you know we've maybe got away with one there. But I'd say, considering our look at the, the other end in particular, uh, with penalties we've not got, uh, we've been due maybe that little uh, rub of the green where the referees just missed something. Um, and I, I think the referee had the fact that the referee hasn't got it reinforces the fact that it it wasn't an outlandish tackle. It wasn't one he shouldn't have been going to try and make. Um, he's just not quite got it right. 
Okay, yeah. No, that's uh, that is certainly a very positive spin on that, and I think that is an important point about how we how we expect our defenders to defend. And I think probably the most important point you made there, James, was that we want our defenders to go in because you're going to concede more goals by not putting those tackles in than you are when you do. Um, Daniel, do you agree with that or do you think that there is a leak in Tarkovsky's game? Uh, no, Tarkovsky is the player I'm least worried about in that back four. Um, he, he, defenders at some point over the course of a season are going to mistime a challenge uh, and he did and he got away with it so I'm not, it's not it's not an incident that I'm I'm overly concerned about um in in the in the grand scheme of things he's by far our best defender uh he made up for it mostly for the rest of the game uh and looked solid and um yeah I, I, I it's not something that I would I would want Daesh to pull him over and say lad don't be diving in like that uh because like yeah like you said that's gonna lead to conceding more goals if you don't have defenders willing to make some uh some low percentage not i guess it's not it's not a low percentage challenge but you know one of those 50 50s where it's like it, it requires complete precision i would rather he worked on improving it and rep- improving his technique uh, and improving his timing uh but uh no, he's a great defender and then that's what you want him to do. Good. Well, that is a good, comprehensive, clean sweep across the non-overboard that um, Tim Sarkovsky does need to perhaps tighten up his timings and his um, guest tackles. But on the whole, we want him to carry on doing that. That's fine. Um, Daniel, let's stick with you, actually, because I'm going to move on to the second of our defensive um, highlights. And you already mentioned this in your analysis earlier on. So I'm going to get you to take the lead on this one. Phil Bardsley and the goal. Um, I'm categorically in favour of bringing Matt Lawton back. I think we are missing him massively. I think Bardsley deputised very well, but for me, he's just not as good as Matt Lawton. You've already mentioned this. You're saying, obviously, um, he's made some shocking individual errors and also I think probably is is to blame for the goal as well. Um, do you share that view um, in terms of him being responsible for the goal and Yes, is it time to bring Matt Lawton back? Uh, I only sent. I only think I sent two tweets during that game, and and the, one of them was I don't see what uh, I don't know what Sean Dyche sees in Phil Bardsley. Um, <laughs> he is he is a very serviceable replacement if Lawton's out injured. Lawton is now not injured. Uh, he should absolutely be back in the team. He provides more attacking spark he is quicker he might not be um as as you know as solid at the back but he has a lot more pace to him than than Bosley it was uh it was his error for the goal um well and I'm not he he didn't help uh the we defend as a unit in in this side so I, I don't want to put too much blame on him, but I, I would say that he shouldn't have been in the side in the first place. Uh, if if Lowen's fine to make it on the team sheet, he should absolutely be starting. And the longer this goes on, I would like some of the reporters in the press room to start asking about that. Like, why why is Lowen not coming back in? Um, to my knowledge, that hasn't been discussed. Interrupt me and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but... It's it's now come to a point where it's baffling, and 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 also just 
you know, we talk about <laughs> we talk about this winless run we're on, uh, and it it's it. I'm I'm not putting this on parsley, but it it sort of <laughs> aligns with when it, when he's been in the side. So yeah, it does. Maybe uh, maybe maybe Loughton's our talisman, and uh, and we haven't realised it. Well, you definitely don't need to convince me and James about that. We we champion Matt Lawson every single week. Um, we did just, look just, at this actually. Just I was going to say, it's, I think it's, it's I agree with that. It's not a coincidence that I think we we lost three players at a similarish time in uh, in Ward, yeah, Lawton, and Braid, Brady, and I don't think it's coincidence at all. I agree, Daniel, that we've had some uh, we've 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 not had the same quality of of results since then as we had before. Then um, I think it shows that the the, the Although I think I don't think either of the any of the players who've come in for those have, have pay, performed massively, uh, massively poorly. I think we, we also they've performed professionally and, and, and done relatively okay. But I think it shows that you can't lose three, uh, three of your, your your first your first choice players essentially, um, and, and retain the same strength of the team, uh, which I think is something we've suffered from in the last few weeks. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think. It's a funny one, really, because I agree with you, Daniel. I don't know. I don't think it has been raised anywhere as to why Matt Lawton's not back in the side. Although for me, I didn't think he played particularly well in the FA Cup game at City. To be honest, um, when we watched that game, he did look really rusty and he looked a bit, a little bit, um, a little bit just not sharp, not match ready. Uh, now, James and I talked about this last week in the podcast, and you know, we, you prepared to forget about that on the grounds that we came across a ridiculous City side, so albeit one that's now actually finally been beaten. Um, but I, I agree with all of you. I think the, the time now is for Lawton to come back in. We are missing um, his link-up play. We are missing his play with Good Munson as well. I think Good Munson's looked a little bit out of sorts since since Barsley. He just doesn't play as well with Barsley either, either as he does with Lawton. So, um, Sean Dyche, if you're listening to this podcast, which we all know you do every week, get him back in the side, please. We want to see him for United and we want to see as much as that back five back together as we can. Um, James, next one. Um, on completely the opposite end of the scale to um, question marks over the other rest of the defence, Ben Mee. Can we please talk through that clearance off the line to keep us still at nil-nil before Palace scored? I don't think you'll see as impressive an on-the-line clearance all season. Uh, yeah, it was a great clearance off the line. Ultimately, obviously, he was fouled, so it was a free kick to Burnley and it, it, it didn't really count for anything. But I think if um, he, he hadn't cleared it, and it hadn't been a foul that we could have been in a really dire position at that point. We were, like, we were all over the place, and uh, it was an impressive piece of defending. You know, notwithstanding the fact he he, he was fouled ultimately, uh, he he comes back with such pace that really he had no right to to get there before the Palace player. And um, I think it again shows that sort of spirit we've got in our defence that maybe counts for a little bit more sometimes than raw talent. Uh, I would just say that. Ben Mee has to be there to get fouled. So he has to be there to make the clearance in order to get fouled. Yeah, exactly. So, the, you know, the, the way he comes back, the the pace he comes back with, the effort he puts in, uh, I think that, you know, shows that there's, um, that there's more to our defence than just blocking, I guess, and generally more to defend it in as a whole than just raw talent. Um, you know, you've got to have a will to, to be the first one to balls. And obviously Ben Mee showed that. Yeah, Natalie, you were you were saying uh, it's one of the best clearances you'll you'll see all season, uh, and I and I thought you were going to say one of the best clearances you'll see. But the if you cast your mind back to 
say it was a, it was a Reading really game two thousand twenty twelve. Like I think that's a, uh, one of the best part of Benmi's games is is he he has no disregard he has no regard for his own body and he'll just put himself where's necessary to get a block in or to to get a clearance in and there's that great uh it was a it was a clearance and a block where he just sticks his head up off the floor he's down on the floor and just sticks his head up in front of the ball and and clears it away uh so he's he's just one of the the bravest defenders you'll see yeah he really is um he, he just he will put his body anywhere and uh and that's you know it's a big part of of why he's been in our side so long yeah. and and you know up until like the last couple of seasons he's really flown under the radar i think he's still um, under the but radar but he's been ever i think he still is one of the, one of the things i was going to come to you daniel with with this is to follow on from this are you not frustrated with like we all know how amazing ben me is and what he brings to the game are you not frustrated that he doesn't get as much as many plaudits as he should do no, because someone will come in and nick him. If <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Keep him quiet, everyone. I, I don't know if it's just talk, but I've I've seen more uh, more whisperings of of clubs trying to sign Ben Me uh, this season than any than in any other season, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, to be honest, if 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 we're going to try and cement ourselves as a as a side that can finish mid table in the Premier League, I think Ben Mee is the just the that sort of level. Uh, uh, he's not. He's maybe not going to ever push for a, a top four club uh, like maybe Tarkovsky has the potential to do. Um, but he's just a very solid defender, and and he's definitely comfortable in the Premier League now. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it's great to see. Uh, you know, great signing by. Uh, by uh, Eddie Howe that because uh, he was you know he came in as the the less fashionable of uh, of him and Trippier and Trippier just stole the show because he was quite uh, spectacular bombing down the wing and putting in great crosses uh, but for it was what 250 grand that yeah, we got Ben Mee for yeah. uh, and, and for the length of service that he's put in you know for the length of service that he's put in now He's going to be up there with the bargains of the century, like uh, you know, we, like we mentioned Michael Duff for forty grand. I think Ben Me for two hundred and fifty grand might be uh, yeah. even more of a bargain. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's a really important point about um, him being under the radar and how he's seen as the less fashionable one, fashionable one to Kieran Trippier. Kevin has he not just had that his entire Burnley career though? He was the unfashionable one against Trippier when they first came to the club. When he was partnering partnershiping with Michael Keane, it was all about Keane. He went for his big money move to Everton, and now Tarkovsky's in the side. It's all about Tarkovsky. But there's been one constant all the way through. Um, Kevin, surely the time has to come where Ben Mee's name has to be mentioned in the England squad. Surely. You, you, I, mean, I think it has been mentioned a few times, but not as not as strongly as the likes of, uh, of Michael Keane were. Um, but it, it's certainly been been mentioned here and there. And I think he's certainly got a lot more plaudits this season than he has done in any other season. I think that's that's deserved as well. I think he is he has always uh, probably not got the credit he's deserved to. And it's probably because he is uh, he's he's not the most attractive attractive player. He's he's very his focus is where he's, Michael Keane and James Tarkovsky are quite classy. They're very good um, on the ball. They, they they do things which um, which look good. I'm not saying that they do that because they look good. It's just I think their style of play um, 
stands out a little bit more. Whereas Ben Mee is very much, he does go under radar, not just in terms of his reputation, but I think in a match, he goes under under the radar. He's one of the players you don't actually very, you don't notice very often. And that's, that's a good thing for a defender. You don't want to notice him. I think his reading of the game is absolutely phenomenal. So he doesn't, I mean, we were talking about earlier about his, his goal line clearances and then his, his clearances with his head and all this. It's so often, Ben Mee is always, always clearing the ball off the line. And that's not a coincidence. It's because he reads the ball, the game so well. He knows when there's a when there's a threat coming and he can get around there and block it. And whereas the likes of Michael Keane and Jane Tarskowski, uh, probably to a lesser extent, but, you know, many defenders catch the eye for their fantastic challenges, um, the way that they, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll win uh, particular battles. I think Ben Mee's very different in that he reads the game so well that he doesn't have to make a challenge. See, he, he, just, he, he ensures that attacks are are ended or at least kind of nullified before there is a need to make that to make the challenge. So I think in that respect, he doesn't stand out so much by design, not just as a re- not just like I said, not just as a, a general thing about his reputation, but but on the pitch, his style of play, he doesn't stand out, uh, and I think that's. It's for him as a footballer. It's, it's a fantastic thing. It's, it's what's made him, uh, him him so successful in his in his career, particularly at this point. Um, but it, to his it, it, in terms of his reputation, it's it's something that is just. Uh, I think it's probably something what's never is never going to stand out, and is never going to be have that reputation as something what people um, really really look to and think. Oh, that's Ben Mee. He's, he's amazing. He's going to do this. He's going to go on to great things. He's, he's going to be fantastic. And to be honest, I'm sure. Ben Mee is um, Ben Mee's more than happy with that. I think he's he's happy to to, to continue um, playing his game, and I don't think Ben Mee really cares about getting a flow plaudits or anything like that. I think he's very ambitious and focused on what he wants to do. He's always his, his his focus is always on his game. I think he's talked a lot about wanting to play for England, and he's been very professional and uh, and analytical about that. I think, and I think that sums up him him as a as a footballer and as a character. So it's I don't think it's anything. Uh, oh, you know, why is Ben Mee not getting attention? I think it's uh, it's just because of the, the style of player that, that he is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's leave the Palace game there. Um, like I say, a disappointing loss on the on the road, but we have a perfect chance now to put that right at home against United for our home game, and we'll just have to beat them instead. Um, for the rest of this podcast, what the the panel are going to talk about is the transfer window. We are now fifteenth of January, so we are exactly halfway through the January transfer window, and with the exception of Nkudu, we are yet to see anybody else come through the doors. We don't yet know whether or not we're expecting to see two or three signings, no signings, or basically what Deitch is up to, which is pretty much how you would expect it because Deitch does like to keep his cards very close to his chest. So we're going to have a look at each position in turn and our panel are going to basically dissect whether or not we need any cover and if so, how many bodies. So I'm going to ignore goalkeepers on the basis that we have four at the club and I don't think there's any suggestion that we need any more, especially with Tom Heaton now well on the road to fitness. So let's start with you, James, and let's start with defence. Now, we have, um, to date, we have at right back, we have Matt Lawton and we have Phil Bardsley. At left back, we have um, Charlie Taylor and Stephen Ward. And then in the centre of defence, we have James Tarkovsky, Ben Mee and Kevin Long. James, do we need any more players 
in that defensive lineup? And if so, what do we need? I, I, I don't think it's someone to you know immediately come into the first eleven. But for me, we need a, an, another centre back. Um, you know, we've seen with injuries and suspensions uh, this season at times we're, we're a little bit thin there. You know, when Kevin Long's playing and there's um, not one of you know, well. Yeah, if Kevin Long's playing, basically, there's no one on the back on the bench uh, behind him. So if we pick up a suspension at that point or another injury, then we we could be in deep trouble. So for me, um, the back we just need another centre half, and I think that's that's it for defence, really. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, Daniel, any advance on that? Do you think that's pretty much all we need, or do we need to look um, at some of the wings? Um. Centre back's highest priority. I, I, I agree with James there. Um, just because uh, I don't, I don't know if we need someone in this window. Uh, like you say, well, like you say, you know, it, it, we could just have terrible luck with injuries and it decimates our, uh, our centre backs. You know, we could probably get by though. Uh, and and you don't want to be, you know, paying that January premium. If if there's a young centre back uh, from a, a you know a big side that we can get in, I don't know what what's the loan limit for the Premier League for 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 clubs. It's two players, isn't it? I think I think it's two players. Two players. I yeah. think. I don't I don't know if I'd spend that spend that on that slot. No, I don't. I would look it, it long term. Long, in the summer, I, I would love to see us get another centre back in, uh, not just for injury cover, but. Inevitably, you know, obviously we've got Tarkovsky on a new, a new deal, but uh, long term we, we're going to lose one of Ben Mee or or Tarks to to a bigger club, and uh, we've always been good about having the next next man up. You know, it, it was we've had that for, for the past couple of seasons now at centre back and and up front, and we and we've always uh, timed it pretty well, and, and we've had someone just at the right point to come and step in. So in the summer, that needs addressing. Right now, uh, I don't know if it's the highest priority. Oh, you're very brave, Daniel. I'm not sure I could. I don't think I'll be very. Uh, I think I'll be quite nervous if we have to go for the rest of the season without some cover there. But I understand your points actually, and I think there are probably other areas in the squad that have got more pressing need. Um, it just makes me a little nervous when you say we'd have to be desperately unlucky for injuries because that's just the absolute sort of thing that would happen to Burnley. Do you remember all those seasons where we refused to get any central uh, on Brian Stock Day? We refused to um, basically get any central def- uh, central midfield cover and then Marnie did his cruciate again. <laughs> so I, I always kind of feel a little bit worried when we start to, to play with that. Um Okay, so let's. Sorry, go on. I think I think we I think we we've got in. Sorry, I think with who we've got in, we it would have to be an extreme run of bad That's luck because Taylor, Taylor could Taylor could come in at centre back. He's he, he, I, I I when I went to uh, the Spurs game over over Christmas, it was the first time I've I've seen him in in the flesh, and he was massive, and he's you know he's he's much bigger than Ben Me. Um, so he would he would be able to play centre back, no, no problem. And you can you can tweak around with who who covers a, a left back and right back in that instance. Um, so I, I wouldn't. So suddenly I feel all very warm and cosy again. I think I just all I need to do. I think I need to schedule a call for you once a week, Daniel. So as soon as as soon as I start getting paranoid and worried about building squads, I can just listen to the soothing tones of our friend of the show, Daniel Bentley, and it'll make me feel better. Um, 
Okay, so let's move on to midfield, um, an area where there's probably quite a few um, to talk about. Our current squad that we have in midfield, we've obviously got Jack Cork, Dean Marnie, Robbie Brady, as we know, is out on long-term injury. So we've brought in uh, George Mkudu to cover him. Jeff Hendrick, Stephen Defoe, Johan Goodmanson, Ashley Westwood, Scott Arfield, and who is known to some long-term known and ever listeners as Brian the Norwegian, Frederick Overstad. So let's start with the middle of the park. Do you think we need anybody? Essentially, we've got Cork, Marnie, Hendrick, Defoe, Westwood, and Arfield can play in the middle as well. So we have got quite a lot of bodies in midfield, central-wise, but do we have the quality? Uh, I, I think after goalkeeper, it's probably our lowest priority area. Um we have some extremely talented and classy midfielders who, you know, when we're on that run of games where we're winning and we're feeling great, you know, we, we just can't stop, stop pinching ourselves about having, you know, Jack Cork and uh, Stephen DeFore and, and when he's in his natural position, uh, Jeff Hendrick. So I, th- I, th- I really think that's the lowest priority uh, part of, 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 of the team. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a you know we don't look like we're going to see uh, some of the lads who are on the bench uh, because we we're, we're lucky that uh, you know Stephen Defoe has is you know by is dash fit now and he he always plays you know ninety minutes um, so yeah uh, I'll, I'll 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 be interested to hear what James has to say but uh, but no I think central midfield is 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 probably our uh, richest area. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. James, do you share the view that, that central midfield is probably our li- the second um, least problematic area behind the goalkeeper? Yeah, I think as long as, um, you know, the the rumours about selling our field uh, don't come to fruition, then, the, you know, there's plenty of depth there. You've got Hendrick, Defoe, Cork, Marnie, uh, Westwood, our field. I mean, it's, you know, arguably... I'd, our deepest position, I think maybe even deeper than up front. Um, and, and for me, I thought actually Westwood looked really good when he, he played against Man City. So, um, you know, I think if, if someone's out for uh, a number of games in a row, I think the cover's there that's, you know, more than suitable to step up. Yeah. And we've got we've got Overstad as well, who, who plays in the centre. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what Deitch's plans are for him because he's, if you look at that central midfield talent, he's very, very We'll low. never see Overstad play for Burnley again, by choice. You don't think so? <laughs> okay, fine. Um, James, let's stick with you then and let's move on to the left side of midfield. Obviously, we know we've got Robbie Brady who's on long-term injuries, so we've just brought in um, Nkudu to cover that slot. Is that enough? Because essentially we've got, if he gets injured or gets suspended, we've only really got Arfield or Barnes who can cover there. But do we do we really need anybody else in the left wing or are you happy now with, with, with George coming in? Um, I, I think it's difficult. I, I think, firstly, Goodmanson really is left-sided. Um, he's left-footed. It, Dash has... I think a few managers have it. He likes to play the opposite foot on the opposite side. And, you know, I, I can see why at times, but also by the same account, I think Goodmanson's more of a left-sided player than a right-sided player. Um, I, th- I think we need another winger in. Uh, one more. 
but we're just not that deep in those positions. I think, you know, Arfield can play there. I think he's had some good games. Um, you know, around the, the middle of the season, just after Brady got injured and he had to come back in. But before that, I think we said it a lot on the podcast, he's looked better when he plays in the number 10 role. Um, I, I think he just lacks a little bit of something you want from someone playing out wide in the Premier League. Um, and for that reason, I, I'd look, if someone's available, if you know the right players out there, I'd, I'd want to get another winger in. Um, but, you know, what we've seen early on of, of GK, it looks really positive. Um, I think he can do a good job for us when he gets used to the, the, the other players and he gets used to the system a little bit more. Uh, but obviously that's going to take a little bit of time. Um, but it'd be, it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. That'd be the same, obviously, for anyone who comes in, it'll take a little bit of time to, just to, to see them develop. But it, he looks like he yeah. offers a, a lot of what we're missing, you know, a bit of pace, a bit of directness, when he's not afraid to run at people. Um yeah, that spark that Daniel was mentioning before, I think he might bring. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he's definitely got a little bit of something about him. Um, and I think actually, you know, a low move to us could end up being beneficial for all parties involved, us, him and uh, and Spurs. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Um, so, Daniel, let, let's move on to the other side of midfield and what surely is probably for me the big red flag scenario um the right side of midfield we essentially only have good Munson who can play in that right wing and if he finds himself um injured or suspended we kind of have zero cover um that for me is the number one priority do you share that view uh, the only thing that I would s- sort of s- slightly disagree with you on is I don't think Sean Dyche differentiates much between left and right wing. No, that's uh, true, actually. He, he does swap them around, doesn't he? He, he, he? Yeah, he swaps them around and he always signs players that uh, are comfortable uh, either on their their natural foot being on the line or being able to cut inside uh, on the other side. So he's always, he's always utilized that and I don't think he puts too much stock in that when uh, when looking at players and, and where to fit them around. Um, but it is, you know, whichever flank, uh, we definitely do need another player in. Uh, I don't know how uh, how credible the report is, but there's there's been reports today that we're looking at Solly March from Brighton, um, which, you know, would be a, a decent signing. The number I've seen is £10 million. It's about right for what we should be playing for, paying for a winger now. Um, and if we, if we could do it for that, that would be, you know, uh, a, a, a decent pickup. I think we definitely need some competition on the flanks. It's, like I said earlier, with, with our style of play, we're so reliant on the the wide men in the side getting a good cross in for the for the big lads to uh, to bosh in. <laughs> so uh, what a quote! Uh, <laughs> uh, we should clip that and use that. Bit of a definitely. Note like that. Um, so it's yeah, our style of play is so reliant on putting good crosses in and. The, the more talent that we can get out there, yeah, the, the better. Sure. And we uh, we, we really oh have missed God, Robbie Brady. It's been a, a big <laughs> yeah. miss. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember coming on and and, and uh, I was, I think James ribbed me a bit for saying, you know, Brady might be a little bit inconsistent with his crossing, uh, but, but it, it, he, you know, and he is, but, when he when he's on his form, he he, he can put a, a ball in that 
a few other players on on the pitch that we have in the team can. So big miss, and uh, I'm excited to see to see more of uh, GK. But uh, I, th- I think we also do need to bring in a. a, a uh, yeah, I think we need to bring in someone permanent. Yeah, I, I do share your view with that. I know the last time that you were on the podcast, you you very much championed the idea that we sh- we are in a position where we should be buying more wingers and it doesn't actually matter uh, whether there's going to be competition on the bench when they come back. And I, I still share that view, uh, Daniel, I really do. Um, so final position then, um, we move back to you, James, and we look at our strike force. And as it stands at the moment, we have six strikers, which is uh, impressive for a side that only ever plays one. Um, obviously, Sam Vokes, Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood, John Walters, Naki Wells, and Danny Aggie has returned from loan. Um, and from what I understand, there's no plans to send him straight back out yet. So we are at the moment up to a full complement of six. Um, now, my view with the strikers, and this is something that we talked about last week, is that um, too much of our strike force is like for like. So we don't tend to have a plan B. And if something's not really working, to me, it doesn't make any sense to bring on the same player because you're not changing anything. You're just having a fresh pair of legs. Um, at the moment, it kind of feels like the only real player who could play any different is Naki Wells. So for me, um, I do think that, that another striker is is uh, something that we need to be looking at, but something more along the Danny Ings style player you know somebody who's um a bit quick i think we've we've missed the pace of andre and i think i think sometimes we've missed um the difference that he can bring to the side um james let's come back to you what's your thoughts and your summary on the strike force uh, i think we've you know got plenty of options there um yeah no one offers the the pace that that andre did but ultimately we weren't really using Andre to the, you know, the, to his full potential. Um, I think what we were looking for from players is a little bit different um, from what from what Gray could offer. Um, I think when when Woods back, he's obvious first choice. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's shown that he can score at this level. Um, I think there's still more to come from him. Um, Barnes does a good job. I think when when called upon, he seems to have calmed his game down a little bit. Uh, gives away a few less needless free kicks and he seems to be making bigger impacts when he gets an opportunity. Obviously, Sam Vokes has not really had a, much of an opportunity this season beyond you know the, the great opening day he had at Chelsea. But other than that, his, his starting opportunity has been quite limited. But he, he's also shown he's capable of scoring Premier League goals. So actually, I think you know up front, um, to be honest, at this stage in the season, I'd, I'd be happy just to stick with what we've got. Um, and, you know, if we did want to get an upgrade in the, the, the striker position, I think it'd be a job more for a summer. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. But like I say, I think the only reason, the only way I'm coming from this, sorry, is just the variety of striker as opposed to numbers. It just feels like we've got very much the muchness up front. Um, Daniel, what's your views on strikers? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. We do. We have we have three big lads, very much of similar mould. Um and there is, there's, there's not a lot. If 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 we're up against a side that has like two excellent centre backs that could, that can box out, uh, you know, Vauxhall Wood, then bringing Barnes on isn't going to change much. You know, it's it, w- it would require a different style of play. Uh, I think that just the the one of the problems is, you know, we are we are playing one up front at the moment and. 
it, it, the Premier League is such a, a, a pressure cooker environment and there's so few games compared to the championship and even fewer now we're out of the cups that, you know, you can't, you can't take a gamble on starting wells. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not the, the type of environment that you can do it in. And it's very hard to, to change things around that much. Uh, Daesh has to go with what he knows and he knows what he's going to get out of Barnes or Vokes or, or Wood when he puts them on the pitch. Um, you know, he's, he's been bringing him on, uh, Wells, Wells on to, to try and change a game if, if we need it. But it's very hard when you, you, you know, you're chasing a game and you're a striker and you come on with 20 minutes and you maybe get three or four touches. Um, Cause you know, usually when you change, chasing the game the other side's playing better than you and they've got more possession and you're not likely to get many uh many attempts to to show what you're about we really haven't seen anything from wells uh so far so in terms of bringing someone in uh you know if if there was a a no names come to mind but you know if, if there was a a a gold machine out, out there who you could get for sub 20 million. Uh, great. If you, if the, if the board wants to spend it, uh, why not? But uh, I would like to just see uh, any player that we do get in, you know, a real, you know, super sub impact player, um, which we just haven't had in a while. It used to be, uh, it used to be some folks when he never started games and would come on as a sub uh, but we just haven't had that real super sub feel in a while. Um, I don't know why it's just it just worked out like that. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not a big area of concern. If there's injuries, yeah, we have people true. to bring. Obviously, Woods having a little bit of a struggle with his hamstring right now, and we've got we we do have uh, Vokes and Barnes. Barnes, by the way, I didn't know this, uh, but I had the start of the weekend is Burnley's uh, all-time leading scorer in the Premier League. Oh, is it? <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. I love Barnes. I've got a lot of affection for him. Actually, I'm really pleased to see how his form is playing as well as it is at the moment, just because I just think he deserves it. He deserves this spell where he is getting the recognition and the praise that he obviously worked so hard for. And as James said in his segment, he's managed to calm down the erratic parts of his game, but he hasn't got rid of them completely. So he's still got that Ashley Barnes-isms about him and I just I think he's great um, I think from what both of you have said there I think it, the, the striker situation probably feels worse than it is because we have got a lack of pace and spark in midfield and we're not getting the quality of balls in the box to service those strikers so you know we sort that that midfield problem out and we start getting decent crosses in and some service up front and, and actually you're probably right the strike force looks a lot better than it actually is um, so let's leave um, that um, talk of transfers there. And obviously, you guys, if you have any particular players that you've been watching or you've got any ideas different to us as to who you'd like to see Dutch bring in this window, then do tweet us um, at None and Ever and you can uh, let us know your views. Um, Clarets now leave next week to go to home game against United at Old Trafford. It's going to be a difficult game, but it's one that I'm sure everybody's looking forward to. Um, not one that we're going to preview this week, just because obviously we've spent a lot of time doing transfers this week, which we thought was probably more important. Um, that said, um, just very, very briefly to, to round off, James, do you expect us to get back to winning ways against United? Um, I, I don't expect us to necessarily lose. 
Oh, I like that. That's a really good answer. Daniel, what's your, I guess, prediction for, for Saturday? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would, uh, I would hope that we could get something out of this game. And in, in recent seasons, we've actually done all right against United. Mm. Um, and then, you know, in the past month we've done all right against United. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> so it, it, you know, it, it comes on the back of that game. Uh, you know, maybe the boys will want to prove something, you know, well, always yeah, want to prove yeah. something but really be like oh we should have got you last time we're going to get you this time hopefully yeah I think that's a good point actually um, and I think as well I actually feel really confident about United I think we're going to win I know that sounds ridiculous but it actually felt like there'd been a change um, and listening to Deitch after the Palace game even he was first to admit you know he put his usual spin on on looking at the season as a whole and not being too concerned with dips in form where he did sort of round that off by saying obviously that the form is something that we want to put right pretty quickly and get a win um, so it does feel like they've finally got you know to the end of the tether with this run now and they just want to put it behind them. So I'm feeling really confident. I think Burnley will win. Um, and let's hope they do. And I really hope the players aren't sweating this, you know, we're calling it a winless run. But look at those games. And it's, you know, it's it's a lot of away games and draws away. So, you know, a draw at Old Trafford. <laughs> Uh, you've got a draw away at Brighton, a draw at Huddersfield, uh, and you know the I really the only disappointing result out of this so-called winless run is is that is that Palace game. Uh, that's the that's the real one where I thought no should have got something there. We should have been better. Yeah. But the, the overall form is not being bad. It's really not. Um. So I, 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 hopefully the, the, the players know that and, and Daesh is sort of communicating that. Uh, and there's just not too much confidence lost because we're not winning anymore. But there's been some good results there. There's not, there's not too much to be ashamed of and we're still seventh in the league. Definitely. Look at that. What a positive way to end the podcast. I do love him having you on, Daniel. You do bring a little ray of sunshine into our analysis. Um, that's all we have got time for this week. Um, a full episode um, for you to all listen to. Um, thanks as ever go to um, Adam, our producer, who's going to be editing this week's show. Thanks again to Daniel and to James for joining me. But thanks go as always to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this podcast. We could not do it without you. This has been the None and Ever podcast. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.